Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Tonight we're going to be talking about together. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't help us any if, if we don't honestly come together with an attitude of being together. We can come and be in the same place and not be together. You know, but I can it's interesting that tonight, you know, the song we sang, you know, the second line of it is worship together in what is it, in one accord? Well, I got to looking at what, what is one accord anyway? Well, in the, from the dictionary, it means to be in agreement or in harmony. And if you'll look in the book of Acts, there are eight places in the book of Acts where it talked about the church being in one accord. Eight places. Now, there are three other places in the book of Acts that are mentioned about one accord, but it's not a good thing. You know, it's about the, the crowd that came together when they, when they stoned Stephen. They came together in one accord and a couple other places like that. You know, what it does is it shows you the power of a people, whether for good or for bad, being in one place of one mind and one accord. It could be for good. It could be for evil. You look back into, into Genesis and you see what happened when they began to build the Tower of Babel. Anybody know that story? God came down. If you don't know that story, you can look over in uh, Genesis 11. And it, it talks about the fact that when God saw what they were able to do, a heathen bunch of people, what they were able to do because they were of one mind and one purpose, he looked at it and went, oh, we can't have this. And so he dispersed them. He changed their language so they couldn't communicate with each other. And, and he dispersed them because man, when man puts their, his mind to something and gets enough people together of the same mind, great things can happen. It could be great things for good or great things for not so good. And so we have that example over in Genesis. You know, but, um, you know, we see that, that there's, there is such an impetus and impact, um, importance, I should say, put on being in one accord. Why? Because we can together accomplish so much. Go with me to Philippians, which is one other place that you can find this, this term of being in one accord. Philippians, hallelujah, chapter 2, verse 2. Hallelujah. Paul is talking to the people at Philippi. And he says in verse 2, he says, Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now, the Williams translation of that says, By fostering the same disposition of love, your hearts beating in unison, your minds set on one purpose. The Phillips translation says, live together in love as though you only had one mind and one spirit between you. Isn't that good? Now, for all you Trekkies, how many of you remember the Borg? Anybody remembers the Borg? You know, when I talk, we start talking about being of one mind and one accord, I have a tendency to think of the Borg. <laughs> Why? How many of you know, don't know what the Borg was? It was this, it, okay, he, he was not a Star Trek fan, I, I was. This was back in the days of the Star Trek with Captain Picard. And, uh, 
so the Borg was this giant thing that was just like a big cube that went through space absorbing all these other peoples and civilizations and stuff. And what happened was when you came in contact with the Borg, you became a, such a part, you became a part of it. And slowly, little by little, it took over and it, and just everything about you became one with the Borg. It was one mind. It moved as one. It, it did everything it did. It functioned as one. It acted as one. You know what? You're the Christian Borg here. You're supposed to be the Christian Borg. You know, some people will say, well, you're talking like, you know, brainwashing. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. We need to be brainwashed. We need to get out of our little natural minds, you know, and be, and be washed with the water of the Word and become brainwashed to what the Word of God says and what God has to say about things. So, yeah, it's a form of brainwashing, but, you know, in a, in a totally different term than what some people would use that term. But, you know, it was just interesting that it was just that even though, even though one little part of this, this guy would, in the board would disconnect himself from the mainframe, we'll call it, and he would go do something, he was still connected to the rest of that thing. You know, we need to understand that we have to stay connected to one another, even when we're not together. We need to stay connected. It's important that you understand that you need one another. Some people say, oh, I don't need anybody. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. No, I don't need anything. I can, I can, I can maintain all my... We Americans are so independent-minded. You know, this country was founded with so many people who were just, I mean, just people who just go out there and do it. They don't have to have anybody help them. They just go out there. The people who pioneered this place, who pioneered every aspect of the United States from the days when the, they, they first landed, the pilgrims first landed in, in New England and in Virginia and in Georgia, and they just slowly moved westward. I mean, there were pioneers who just set out to go do something and to go explore and to, and to go take the land and take possession of the land and see what was out there and just, and just find out what there was. That can be good and that can be bad. When somebody feels like, I don't need you, I can take care of myself, you know, I, and because I don't need you, I'm not giving you anything from me. That's what, that, what happens with that independent-minded kind of thing. And as believers, we need to understand that we do need one another. Every day, we do need one another. And it's, it's sad that there are people out there who, who think that, well, I'm born again, and I can serve God, and I can worship God, and I can be a good Christian, but I don't have to go to church. I don't have to be part of an organized religion. It's not organized religion that they're talking about. It's organized by the fact that it was organized by God. God instituted the church. It was his idea. It wasn't some man's idea. Now, denominations are man's idea. That's a religious organization. But the church is not a religious organization. It is an organization of believers who are like-minded with one heart and one purpose. People who come together for one purpose. What is that one purpose? Not just to get to heaven, but to see the heaven of the kingdom of God expanded. To see the kingdom of God demonstrated in this earth. To see the powers of darkness have to step back take a back seat for us to ex exhort and exhibit our authority that we've been given by heaven. 
and put it to use in this earth. We have a heavenly mandate, and we do that together. Now, you and I may separate and go our, our each individual ways after this service tonight, but you'll go into the hardware store, and, and you'll go out on the ocean, and you'll go into the, into the, into the banking industry, and you'll go into the, into the, to the building industry. And, you know, there's so much of what we do. You know, we go out as individuals, but yet we need to go with the idea that we are all part of the same that for the time that we're apart from each other, that we're still connected, and we do need each other. And so, you know, Ephesians 4.16, you're close by if you're in Philippians. Uh, Ephesians 4.16, it says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, with that is knit, by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase unto the, of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Listen, we are not complete without each other. We really aren't. We are not complete. You, I don't work like I should without you. You don't work like you should without me. Go with me. You're just close by. Go to Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 19. Hallelujah. It says, And not holding the head, from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered, and knit together, increases with the increase of God. You know, um, the Weymouth translation of that says, From whom the whole body, in all its parts, nourished and strengthened by its points of contact and its connections. And then the Williams goes on and says, grows with the growth that God produces. Listen, we are all knit together, part and parcel. There's, a, there's connections between us. You know, what would happen if your finger was connected to your ear? It's not going to work right. Your finger is supposed to be connected to the bones of your hand. And then the bones of your hand are connected to the bones of your wrist. And the bones of your wrist are then connected to the bones of your forearm. And the bones of your forearm are connected to the bones in your upper arm. And then your upper arm is connected to your shoulder. I mean, it goes on and on. If any one of those connections is out of place, the whole body suffers. I fell one time years ago. It was about 2000 and... Uh, was it 2000 or 2001, and um, broke my elbow. Let me tell you, the whole body suffered. The whole body. The whole body. If you stump your little toe, the whole body suffers. It's true. That one little old thing down there that seems to be totally useless Totally like, you know, what's the big deal? But you stump that little fella. And your whole body's going, Meow! it hurts. And so the problem here is so many times people get out of their place. And they don't seem to understand that when they're not in their place, connections are damaged. Connections are damaged. If I'm connected 
to Pastor and say, he's connected to Patrick, and Patrick's connected to Doug, and Patrick gets out of his place, then the connection from, that goes from here to there, there's a problem. There's a problem. That's why God puts each one of us in a body as he chooses, that he gives us giftings that he chooses, the giftings that we're supposed to use and put into play because the connections that are there, that's what is depending on what we do with it. And there's a connection that's got to be made. And when the connections aren't made, suffering happens. Things don't get done like they should. Now, I'm an old x-ray person, so I've got kind of a medical background that's been many, many years, but I do remember a few things. You know, I remember, you know, when I was in x-ray school many decades ago, um, you know, I, I had to, to float through several different departments, and one of them was called special procedures. And in, in, in those areas, you know, we did a lot of vascular studies, you know, like you would, you would do a test, you know, that, that would try to see what all the brain, what all the, the blood vessels looked like in somebody's brain, like maybe they'd had a stroke or something. And it was interesting to note that there's, there's a, this odd thing that can happen that when one blood vessel, something happens to that blood vessel, major blood vessels, it's like blood vessels surrounding it that were tiny, that were, you know, microscopic, begin to expand and go around that injured area to make the connections again. But that's not the way God intended for it to work to start with. It's something that can be overcome. Listen, when you sever the connection, when you interrupt the connection, you get out of your place. When you interrupt the connection, it hurts the body. Now, eventually, God's going to be able to, to go around that injured spot, that place that's no longer there, that's not operating like it's supposed to, and he'll reform connections. But that's not what he intended to start with. That's why it's so important that you keep your heart right towards your brothers and sisters. Because if there's anything that severs connections, it's offense. And that's not even my notes. If there's anything that injures the body, it's offense. Unforgiveness. Not wanting to walk in love. You know, it's a choice. Walking in love is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgetting about the offense is a choice. Letting it go is a choice. And to choose not to do those things is disconnecting yourself from the rest of the body, not just from the person you're offended with. Do you hear me? It's not just from the person you're offended with. It's from the rest of of the body. You're affecting the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. I always had somebody tell me uh, a story a few years ago about their mother who was in a denominational church. And she'd been there for many, 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 I mean, years and years and years. And one day she made a change to a different church. And she told, she told her relative, who told me this, she said, yep, Mother just said uh, it was because she was having an issue with this person and with this person. She just felt like it was better for her just to change churches. No, maybe, maybe I, don't, I don't know if the church she wound up in is any really much better than the church she left. But that's not how you solve the problem. 
God didn't, if God didn't put her in the second church, then she injured the body, the whole body at the first church because she wouldn't mend the connection with those two or three people she was mad with. And that's not in my notes either. But it's the truth. We have connections. And it's not up to you to decide where you're connected. It's not up to you to decide that it's okay for you to drop your connection, to sever your connection, to leave your connection. Because there's a supply that you bring, but there's also a supply that comes to you. When the connection is damaged, now God can't get to you the supply that should be yours. And you are out of place in being able to get the supply on through you to somebody else. See how it damages not only just you, but the people that you're mad with, the people, but the rest of the church as well? Mm-hmm. God can, God can work around it. Just like the natural, the natural body demonstrates the things that God can do in the healing power that's been divinely imparted to this flesh. God put it in us to always be able for this body to heal itself. Well, just likewise, the spiritual body can be, can be re-energized, um, but that's not the way God intended for it to be. He doesn't want it to happen that way. He, I mean, he can do it. But ideally, whatever you're offended about some with somebody, whatever you got, a, you know, a burr under your saddle about, get over it. Get over it. Because you're hurting yourself. You're hurting the rest of your body. You can't just justify it by saying, well, it's just better if I just leave. It's just better if I just go on to, you know, somewhere else. No, it's better if you just get your heart right. That's what it's better. Get your heart right and get your act together and get back in the place God intended for you to be and get back to doing what you're supposed to be doing and you be the supply you're supposed to be. You be the connection you're supposed to be and then you stay in fellowship with, with other people so that that supply that you need comes to you. Hallelujah. Amen. I better move on. I told Pastor this probably wouldn't be very long, but who knows? I'm, I'm probably wrong as usual. <laughs> Listen, we won't survive without each other. There are times in our life when that connection needs to be so strong that, that connect, because of the connection, God can put us over and put us through. I, I go back to, to looking at several different instances, um, you know, like uh, Pastor's Cancer back in 1996. We both are quite convinced that had it not been for the prayers of this body, he would not be here today. Because the way, the, way everything, the way everything happened, the way everything played out, I mean, it was a spiritual battle. And we had a group of people who prayed, got on their face, prayed these, these things out, you know, stood with us through all of that, through everything, and he's still here today. You know, Wally Redwine, how many of you remember Wally? Wally Redwine had a, had a certain kind of stroke, and I'm not even sure now what, what the kind of stroke was, and he basically was, should be con considered brain dead. But Wally went into that situation with a, a, as a man who was 
thoroughly convinced that Jesus is my healer. He was built up in the healing. And at the same time, when he went into that, when all that happened, and you couldn't talk to him, he couldn't talk to you, you know, he was, he was there, but he wasn't there. There was a group of people that got together on a Sunday and got together and prayed until we prayed that thing through. What does that mean? It means pray until you've got, you've got a note of victory is what Dad Hagen used to say. We got that note of victory, and later that night, in the middle of the night with his son sitting next to him, he just looked up, woke up, looked at him, and said, Hey, son, what you doing? The nurses that came in the next morning were like, Are you kidding me? He's alive still? And they went in his room, and he's talking to them. They, they, were, they were astonished. Listen. You need people because you don't ever know when something might happen to you that you're going to need their faith, you're going to need their prayers, you're going to need their undergirding, you're going to need their faith to put you over. You know, the, the guy over in uh, Mark, the second chapter, the guy who was the paralyzed guy and who was on the bed, he had these four crazy friends. I'm telling you what. They brought him to Jesus. They heard Jesus was in the house. The healer's in the house. Let's go take our buddy to the healer. And they got there, and they couldn't get in. Well, most people would just say, we tried, couldn't get in. And they'd turn around and gone home. Not these four crazy people. Okay, you can't get here. You can't go in that door. You can't go in that door. Everything is taken. Everything's People are spilling out the windows. What are we going to do? Hey, I have an idea. Why don't we go up on the roof? Listen, the guy on, that was paralyzed had to be as crazy as they were or crazier to let them take him up there on that roof. Because it says they let him down, which means he was still laying on the bed. Now, it's one thing to like, you know, wrap a, ro a rope around under his arms and kind of let him down. But it said they let him down. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, they didn't have gurneys with straps, you know, and all these things. You know, this is just a bed here with some ropes tied to it. They're letting him down through a roof that they've just torn apart. That's the kind of friends you need. And you're only going to have those kind of friends when you stay connected to those kind of people. If you don't stay connected to them, they won't be there to say, I got a crazy idea, but it probably will work. I got a crazy idea. Listen, never discount a crazy idea. If God's in it, crazy turns out to be glorious. So just because it sounds crazy to somebody else doesn't mean it's not going to work. But he had four friends, four friends who were just nuts enough to do this kind of thing. And what did it do? That man got up off that bed and walked away. He didn't have to climb back up through the roof. He walked out the front door, praising God. That's what you need. That's why we need each other. You don't, listen, while I'm at this, you don't need her just because you know her and she's your same age. You need, you need Doyle. You don't need just the person sitting next to you. You need some of these people over here. It doesn't matter what your age is. 
we're not, we're not connected just by age, folks. We're connected because we're in the body. You need these people like these people need you. It's so nice that y'all kind of segregate yourselves over there, you know, so I can do this. But I don't care what age group you are, don't limit yourself to needing somebody of just your own age group, your own gender, your own financial background, your, own, your, your same social status. You need anybody and everybody who sits in the same building as you from Sunday to Sunday, on Wednesday, on Sunday nights. You, you never know where the answer that you need is going to come from. Don't ever discount anybody who's a part of the body that God has placed you in as not being the person that God can use to minister to you, who can bring to you what you need, who has a word from God for you, who has the answer you need right then. And so that's why we don't need to segregate ourselves just in one family setting, in one age group. You know, we, 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 get to, we should get to know each other well enough so that if you've got a question and God says, you go ask, you go ask Miss Janice over there. You go ask her and you're going, well, I don't even know Miss Janice. That's why you're supposed to get to know her. That's what fellowships are all about. You know, I know we have connections groups and they kind of tend to be in the same age group because really, you know, I'm through my baby days. I, 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 don't, I don't need babies running around, you know, all around. I really don't. <laughs> I love them. I cherish them. They're sweet, and then you take them home. But you know what? In, in a big church fellowship, stop segregating yourselves to the same people that you always sit with and the same people you always hang with. And the same people you always talk to. There are treasures abundantly needing to be discovered by you when you spend some time talking to somebody that's not of the same group that you usually hang with. You know, in, in, uh, in the New Testament, it talks about the older women, women mentoring the younger women. Well, how are you going to do that if you don't ever spend any time with them? Somebody said to me one time, you know, well, I'd like to be somebody that some of these younger ladies could come to. I said, well, then go up to them and talk to them so they get to know you. Spend some time showing some interest in them. Then they'll, then they'll be able to come back and say, Lord, who can I talk to about this? And the Lord can say, why don't you go talk to so-and-so? You know, oh, she was just, I was just talking to her Sunday. Yeah, why don't you go talk to her? Mm -hmm. This is not in my notes at all. Hallelujah. But we have got, we, have, we, need, we need one another. We need to look out for one another. And um, in 1 Peter 5, 8, you know this really well, I'm, I'm sure. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. It's not a given. He's looking around to see who he may devour. Listen, one of the purposes of being a part of the body of the local church is it comes with a, what I would call a herd mentality. You know, if you, if you watch the nature shows, they, 
animals travel in herds. Why? So that they can look out for one another. Because the one who is straying from the herd is the one who's easier to pick off. Is if, the, if the predators can separate one of those animals from the rest of the herd, then he's got the ability and the option of taking that one down. But when you stay with the herd, you know, then when one person is getting attacked, the rest of the herd comes to their rescue. I was watching something not too long ago, a, a herd of elephants, and, and it was like one was, was being attacked by, by, I think, a lion. And suddenly the rest of the herd turned around and came back. I mean, and they ran that lion off. They surrounded, I think it was, I think, honestly, I think it was a mama elephant who just had a baby. And so they were both kind of vulnerable at the, at the moment, and the lions were looking for the baby. Well, the rest of the herd turned right around, came back, and stood right with that mama, and protected her and that baby. Listen, that's what we need to do. We're not here to police everybody. We're here to protect everybody. We need to protect one another. And one of the ways that we protect one another is, you know, some, some people call it encouraging, but, you know, I can't find that necessarily in the Bible, not at least not my King James Bible, but I do find the word exhort. And exhort does mean to admonish, to urge and to encourage. There are many places in the, in the New Testament that talks about, in fact, there's 16 times in the New Testament where the word exhort is mentioned, where it's, where it's there. You know, and there are times when our exhortation, our encouragement isn't just, oh, you're such a good guy. You're, I mean, you do such a great job, pastor. You just do such a great job. It's not always that. I'll move on to somebody else now. <laughs> it's not, Patrick, you're doing good, bud. Sometimes it's, Patrick, I've been praying for you. You know, is there something wrong? What's going on? Is there something you need, you need to talk to somebody about? I'm here for you to talk to me. Giving somebody an option. Then there are times when you see somebody's got a problem, you go, can I talk to you for just a minute? The Bible says we need to speak the truth in love. Love goes to somebody that you see who's having a problem. And love says, I don't want to see you hurt. I don't want to see you separated. I don't want to see you taken out by the enemy. What can I do to help you? Because I know you got a problem with this. Sometimes we avoid having those kind of conversations because we don't want to offend somebody. Well, wouldn't it be better to offend them a little bit and help them survive the attack? Then to go, well, they really don't want any help and let the enemy pick them off. We've not done as good a job as we should have because we didn't want to, well, I'm uncomfortable talking to somebody about something like that. Well, you know, everybody sees they got a problem, you know. Well, then why don't you go talk to them? You, 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 pre, you preface that by spending some time in prayer. Not come up with a police mentality. You know, no. You know, when somebody's got a problem, they usually know it already. 99.9% .9 of the time, they already know it. They just don't think anybody else knows it. That's the problem. And sometimes they don't want to admit it 
Sometimes we can, we can lie to ourselves better than anybody. We, you know, we justify certain attitudes and things that we have. And we just try to go, oh, no, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just this. I'm just that. I'm just, no, it's just downright not walking in love. But wouldn't it be nice for somebody to go up to them and say, listen, I see what's going on, and I want to help. What can I do? That's not time to let them spill their guts about how somebody's been mean to them. It's about, that's time to spend some time saying, let's pray about this. You got a problem with so-and-so? Why don't we pray for them? Why don't we do this? Spend some time before you approach them in prayer and saying, Lord, give me the words to say. Give me the right heart. Help me show them how much I care about them, that this is not a place that I'm accusing them of anything, but I just want to help them overcome this area. I want to keep, see them get back into a place where the joy of the Lord is evident in their life again. And you can spend some time in prayer and go into a situation. God can open the doors at the right time and the right place and the right way for you just to walk into that situation and just and have a conversation that changes the course of their life. Because do you realize some people are making bad choices that will affect their entire future? We need to be there for one another. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, so, with that in mind, I want you to know that being together is more important than you think because the Bible talks about being together. Uh, Romans, before I get to that, Romans 12, verses 4 through 5, talks about being members one of another. 1 Corinthians 12 says we're one body and members in particular. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says by one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Ephesians 4, 25 talks about we are members one of another. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about not discerning the Lord's body. We are the Lord's body. Pastor was talking about the local church. This is where we put this into practice. This is, this is where we can physically lay and tangibly lay our hands on the rest of the people in the Lord's body, in the local church. But he intends for us to do what we're going to do together. In the history of the local church in, in Acts, Acts 1-4 says they were being assembled together. Acts 1-6, when they were therefore were come together. Acts 2-44 says that all that believed were together. Acts 4-31 says where they were assembled together. You have to assemble together. Acts 14, I'm, talk, I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd. I sh, you know, shouldn't have to say that, right? Uh, but there will be people who will listen to this. This is for them. How about that? Acts 14, 27, had gathered the church together. Then when you move into the Pauline revelation, Romans 6, 5 says we have been planted together. Romans 8, 17 says we may also be glorified together. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 says we are perfectly joined together. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says we are laborers together. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 says God has tempered the body together. 1 Corinthians 14, 23, when the whole church become together, not part of the church, the whole church. I laugh all the time when people say, well, how many, how many people do you have in your church? I say, well, if they were all there at one time in the same place, it's a totally different number than what I could give you for what actually shows up on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or on a Sunday night. 
there's a whole lot more than what we see all at one time. But anyway, it says, when the, that's just my little thing for the moment. The whole church be come together. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, when you come together, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 11, helping together by prayer. 2 Corinthians 6, 1, we are workers together with him. Ephesians 2, 5, he's quickened us together. Ephesians 2, 21, fitly framed together. Ephesians 2, 22, builded together for a habitation. Ephesians 4, 16, the whole body fitly joined together. Philippians 1, 27, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Colossians 2, 2, being knit together in love. Colossians 2.13, quickened together with him. Colossians 2.19, knit together. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, comfort yourselves together. Isn't that nice? God put that in there. There are times we need to comfort ourselves together. 2 Thessalonians 2.1, by our gathering together. Hebrews 10.25, you can't leave this one out, assembling of yourselves together. What we do, we do at the plan and the purposes of God. We do, we come together on any given service because God has called us together. He has a plan, a purpose, a function, a direction, an instruction for each and every individual service. And it may not be the same from one service to the next. One might be a Holy Ghost service. One might be strictly teaching. One might be exhorting. One might be, you know, just worshiping him. One might be just praising him. It could be any number of things, but we're to do it together. And for us to do what God has called us as a body to do, we have to do it together. We have to understand we are connected to one another. And each and every connection is vital. Each and every connection is important. Each and every connection is necessary. You can't take one connection out without it affecting everything and everybody. And so I'm just going to leave you with this. Something that Pastor Greg said a couple of years ago that sticks with me to this day. Because I love what he says. He said, where we go we go together. Where we go, we go together. We don't do it one at a time. We don't do it, you know, just okay. Okay, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get there eventually. No, we go together. We go together. That's what God has ordained is that we be together. We're in one place of one mind and one accord. What is that that the Phillips translation said about Philippians 2, 2? Live together in love as though you only had one mind and one spirit between you. That's not talking to just this person or this person, this person, that person. It's talking to every one of you. Every one of you. One mind and one spirit between you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.